if you would. And I want to just give you, I want to give you a two-part message tonight. We'll give you the first part tonight. And, and, uh, and then, Lord willing, if the Lord lets us do that, I'll give you the second part next Wednesday night. <clears throat> We're going to talk about next Wednesday night, we'll talk a little bit about the gifts of the Spirit. And uh, it's uh, interesting, Brother Brandon and I were having this conversation even in the van tonight out on visitation uh, about <clears throat> just the confusion that's out there concerning, uh, concerning this topic. And so Lord willing, we'll talk about it a little bit, uh, a little bit uh, next week. And I know we didn't do things like we normally do in some of this case. You can feel free to go ahead and be dismissed there. That's fine. Second Chronicles chapter 9 in your Bibles. Uh, and when you find your place, if you'll stand with us this evening. And I'll just give you the uh, intro tonight for the message, 2 Chronicles chapter 9, and look at verse number 1. And the Bible says, And when the queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon, she came to prove Solomon with hard questions at Jerusalem, with a very great company, and camels that bear spices, and gold in abundance, and precious stones. And when she was come to Solomon, she communed with him of all that was in her heart. And Solomon told her all her questions, And there was nothing hid from Solomon, which he told her not. And when the queen of Sheba had seen the wisdom of Solomon and the house that he had built and the meat of his table and the sitting of his servants and the attendants of his ministers and their apparel, his cupbearers also and their apparel, and his ascent by which he went up into the house of the Lord, there was no more spirit in her. And she said to the king, It was a true report which I heard in mine own land, of thine acts and of thy wisdom. Howbeit I believed not their words until I came and mine eyes had seen it. And behold, the one half of the greatness of thy wisdom was not told me, for thou exceedest the fame that I heard. Happy are thy men, and happy are these thy servants which stand continually before thee and hear thy wisdom. Blessed be the Lord thy God, which delighted in thee to set thee on his throne to be king for the Lord thy God, because thy God loved Israel to establish them forever. (coughs) Excuse me. (coughs) Therefore made he the king over them (coughs) to do judgment and justice. And she gave the king an hundred and twenty talents of gold and of spices, great abundance, and precious stones. Neither was there any such spice as the queen of Sheba Gave King Solomon. We're going to stop there tonight for sake of time. You may be seated. I'm asked Brother David Clark, if you would, to, to pray for us. And I'm going to grab a drink of water here, and we're going to jump right into the Bible study, Lord willing, tonight. David, you pray for us, if you would. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your time. Amen. <clears throat> How many are glad to be saved tonight? Amen. <clears throat> Amen. Well, <clears throat> we're a little choked up. Did anybody else have a testimony? Anybody else have your hand up? You were going to give a testimony tonight? <clears throat> Go ahead, brother.
Amen. 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 Thank you, brother. I appreciate that testimony, and thank you for letting me get my throat clear. I appreciate that. Amen. Look, if you will, back at Second Chronicles chapter nine, and we're going to stay here just a little bit tonight. And uh, what a, what a great story! And I, the Lord's just really used this scripture to speak to my heart, and I want to try to just sort of give you what the Lord has laid on my heart tonight. We notice here in Second Chronicles chapter nine that the Queen of Sheba has has come to see the great realm of King Solomon. And it was customary back in that day and time when visiting royalty to, to offer some type of an honorarium. And that's what we find here in 2 Chronicles chapter 9. That's what the Queen of Sheba is doing. Now I want us to understand tonight that many offered gifts to the king. And I want to show you a few of those this evening, if you will. For instance, look at 2 Chronicles chapter 9 and verse number 13. The Bible says, Now the weight of gold that came to Solomon in one year was, and notice the figure here, was 603 score and six talents of gold, beside that which Chapman and merchants brought, and all the kings of Arabia and governors of the country brought gold and silver to Solomon. Notice the, fir- the term there, 603 score and six talents of gold. Now, one scholar said that equals $399.6 million one year. That's one year's honorarium for Solomon, $399.6 million. Look down, if you will, at verse number 21. The Bible says, For the king's ships went to Tarshish with the servants of Huram. Every three years, once came the ships of Tarshish, bringing gold and silver, ivory and apes and peacocks. Uh, And King Solomon passed all the kings of the earth in riches and wisdom And all the kings of the earth sought the presence of Solomon to hear his wisdom that God had put in his heart. And so uh, people often brought honorariums when they came before the king. But the thing that God pointed out to me and the thing that I want to try to give you tonight is this. We notice that when the queen of Sheba gave her honorarium to the king, we notice that she gave something that no one else could give. Now, as I studied this out, I noticed that the Queen of Sheba's gift was maybe not uh, quite as large as as other gifts that were offered by other royalty. I noticed that her gift was not as immediately noticeable or dramatic as some of the other gifts that were given. And let me just try to illustrate that point just a little bit if I could. And I knew that Sister Kathy would love this illustration. I knew Brother Gary, Brother Cecil would love this illustration. But look, if you will, at verse number 28. The Bible says, and they brought unto Solomon horses out of Egypt and out of all lands. Now, if that look at this, gonna blow your mind. Look at verse twenty-eight, uh, verse number twenty-five. The Bible says, and Solomon had four thousand stalls for horses. Now, that's a lot of horses right there. And the Bible says that a big part of these horses came from Egypt. Now, you know what that tells me? That Solomon had a lot of Arabian stallions there. And so can you imagine, I don't know how many of these were Arabian stallions, but, but if only a 1,000 were Arabian stallions. And if you've ever saw an Arabian stallion, there's a difference. And can you imagine walking down and seeing 4,000 stalls of horses? And many of those are these beautiful, I mean the most beautiful stallions that could ever be purchased. And so you can imagine that a lot of the gifts that were brought to Solomon were just were just 
uh, just amazing, dramatic, and, and brought a lot of attention. But the thing that I want to draw your attention to tonight is that the Queen of Sheba's gift was unique. It maybe wasn't a stallion from Egypt, but it was unique. And another could not offer the gift to the king that the Queen of Sheba gave to the king. And let me show you what I'm talking about. Look at verse number 9. The Bible says, And she gave the king and 120 talents of gold and of spices, great abundance, and precious stones. Look at the last line. Neither was there any such spice as the queen of Sheba gave King Solomon. I read that on vacation the other day as I was doing my devotions, and I saw that line, and I thought, wow. You know what that means? The queen of Sheba gave something to the king that no one else could give. Her gift was absolutely unique. Now, it maybe wasn't as big. It maybe wasn't as dramatic. It maybe wasn't as glamorous, but she gave something to the king that nobody else could give. Now, I said that to say this. You know what? Did you know it's important that each and every one of us give a gift to the king? Did you know that? And somebody says, well, you know what, to, uh, Pastor, I've never been to Bible college. Bible college or not, you ought to give a gift to the king. Uh, you, you say, Pastor, I never even got my, uh, my diploma from high school. Diploma or not, you ought to give a gift to the king. Did you know that there's something that you can give the king that no one else can give? And uh, you say, well, you know, uh, Pastor, I can't preach like uh, uh, Ronald Looney, or I can't teach like Mike Horn, or I can't, uh, you know, uh, do like some of these others do. No, maybe not. But I want you to understand that there's something that you can give that no one else can give. Your gift is totally unique. And you know what? You need to give that gift to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we're going to talk about, Lord willing, next Wednesday night, we're going to talk about some of the gifts of the Spirit and things like that. But tonight, very simply, I want to give you some gifts that we can give to the Lord and some gifts that we ought to give to the Lord. I'm going to give them all the letter, start with the letter T, just for the, the sake of learning. And so how about this first one? Number one, Here's a gift that we ought to give to the king. Number one, our tenement, our tenement. Now, someone says, preacher, what in the world? What's a tenement? Well, it's just a, it's just a fancy word for body. You ought to give your body to the Lord. Now, I want to show you a few verses tonight. Take your Bibles and turn over to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, and look, if you will, at verse number 1. And I'll go through this quickly tonight. I know we took some time for, uh, for testimonies, and I'm not going to keep you any later than I would normally keep you this evening. But, but look, if you will, at Romans chapter 12 and verse number 1. And notice what the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, uh, challenges us to do. Romans chapter 12, verse number 1. Some of you have this committed to memory. He said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your what? Your bodies, a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Now turn over just a few pages to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and look, if you will, at verse number 19. Now, now let me tell you why I'm teaching this and why, why I believe the Lord's laid this on my heart. Because there's a lot of people who believe that the body doesn't, doesn't count, doesn't matter. And you know, uh, God doesn't look at the body. God's not concerned about the body. God only looks on the inside. But the Bible's very clear to tell us here that the Bible, that God wants us to, to present our bodies. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse number 19. The Bible says, what? Know ye not that you're what? 
your body. Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. For you are bought with a price. Look what it says. Therefore, glorify God in your what? In your body and in your spirit. Now, are we to glorify God in our spirit? Absolutely. But you'll notice the Bible gives it that second. And so we're to glorify God in our body and in our spirit, which are God's. They're both, they both belong to the Lord. But we're to give our body to the Lord. Did you know tonight, church, that there is an all-out attempt by Satan to desecrate the body? Now, let's just forget about the spirit just for a little bit, and let's just talk about the physical tonight. And as God began to sort of lead me in this message, I began to, uh, begin to think about uh, the war that, that the devil has waged on the human body. For instance, one of the big, big things in our society right now is called self-mutilation, mutilation of the body. Now, I was just doing a little research, and I found this out, that the most common methods of self-mutilation, the top three of self-mutilation are these. Number one is skin cutting. 70% to 90% of those who mutilate the body are involved in cutting themselves, cutting the skin. Now you say, Pastor, why are they cutting themselves? Just for the sake of cutting themselves. Not for a surgery, not for an operation. It has no need, but they're just cutting their bodies. But how about this? 21 to 44% are involved in what's called headbanging. Now, church, listen, I know this is almost, you know, this is almost humorous. You know, if it weren't so sad, it'd be humorous. But this is not a joke. There are kids that are beating themselves and banging their heads on things. And here's the thing. You won't beat this coconut around too much before you'll start doing some damage. 15 to 35%, these are the top three, skin cutting, head banging, and 15 to 35% are involved in burning. They burn their bodies, burn different parts of their bodies. Other forms of self-injury include excessive scratching to the point of drawing blood, uh, punching self or objects, uh, infecting, <laughs> I read this and I thought, what? Infecting oneself. Now, you know, you got a, you got a major problem somewhere if you're purposely infecting your body. Uh, inserting objects into body openings. Listen to this. Drinking something harmful like bleach or detergent. We know that's the, the case because we've watched that on the news just in the last little bit. Listen, when you buy your detergent now, they're having to do special things to try to uh, uh, keep the kids from taking detergent and Tide Pods and all these things. And I'm thinking, man, what kid in their right mind ingests Tide Pods? Now you say, preacher, I was thinking about doing it. You're stupid. Amen. Now, I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't say that's not the right thing. So I know that's not the right thing to say. But, but, but listen to me. Man, don't, don't do things like that. That's foolishness. That's absolute foolishness. But that's where we are, self-mutilation. But not only mutilation of the body, but how about this, the marking up of the body and tattoos. Now, wait a minute now. Give me a little grace right here. I know that some of you folks, when you first started coming to Calvary, you already had them. And you got them. You can't do anything about it. And you know that we don't harp on that and preach on that and all those kind of things. But, but you also know that what I'm telling you tonight is the truth, is that, is that uh, tattoos are beginning, they're beginning to become excessive, excessive. 
and you'll see some, and we did, my wife and I, while we were on vacation, beautiful little uh, girls in 19, 20 years old. And, uh, and listen, let me, if you want to go on a cruise, come see me before you do. And let me give you some great advice. So I'll help you. I'll help you. Number one is never plan a cruise during spring break. I didn't know. I didn't know. I honestly, I, I went into it completely blind. I didn't know. Now, wait a minute now. And we saw young ladies, beautiful young ladies, 19, 20, 21, in the prime of life. And God had given them a, a, a beautiful body. And they'd taken those beautiful bodies and completely marked them up with all kind of tattoos all over their arms and their legs and their feet. And now, wait a minute. Now, what, what's going on? It is, a, it, it is a, a, an attempt by Satan to desecrate the body. How about this? Not only marking up the body, but marring the body with, uh, with piercings. And not only piercings, but piercings in painful places. And uh, now, when I started researching this out, I found too much information. It's one of those kind of situations where you say, okay, that's enough. That's as far as I'm going to go on that. Now, that right there is about as stupid as the Tide Pods. When you start piercing parts of your body that just absolutely inflict pain. And one of the things I read was this, that, that some of the parts of your body that you try to pierce it takes somewhere from six months to a year before those places will heal. Now listen, church. If God wanted you to have a ring in your tongue, he'd have put one there. And if God would wanted you to have a ring in your nose, now there is a, a place for a ring in the nose. We used to use them on the farm. We used to put rings in the bull's noses and, and daddy used to put those rings in the hog's noses and and, uh, and you start pulling a, a, an old heifer around by that ring and, and she'll do things that she wouldn't normally do. Now, there's a place and time for that, but not with humans. Now, what's that about? It's, it is an, an attack to desecrate the human body. But then I found this out, the involving of the body in dangerous games. Right now in our society, there's a big thing uh, uh, on the uh, choking game. And so uh, kids are choking one another either by strangulation uh, or other means, and it, it gives them a temporary high, uh, 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 just an instantaneous uh, feeling of euphoria. Uh, when they, but, but here's the thing. When you, when you cut off the oxygen to the brain, guess what happens? You fall. And so kids are, are, are getting injured and, and a lot of problems there. How about this? Uh, what they call huffing or dusting. And so kids are taking... Uh, kids are taking cleaning solutions and, and uh, uh, pledge that you would clean your furniture with and, and uh, they're huffing those things and it gives them just a, a little bit of a high, a little bit of a, a euphoria. Now kids, listen to me tonight. Your preacher loves you, but don't do things like that. God doesn't want you to do things like that. God wants you to keep this body holy and he wants you to keep this body separate and pure. Uh, again, it's an attempt by Satan to desecrate the human body. It is the big debate in women's issues right now. It's my body, my body. It's my body. It's nobody else's body. It's my body. And I can do what I want to do with it. Well, number one, I want to say that baby is not your body. But number two, that body is not your body. That body belongs to God. 
It's why right now in America and even in North Carolina, it's why the transgender issue is so popular. Why are people changing their gender or trying to change their gender? Or if they don't have enough money to change their gender, they're dressing, cross-dressing. Now, why is that such a big thing right now? I'll tell you exactly why. It It is an attempt by Satan to desecrate the body. Why? Because we ought to give our body to the Lord Jesus Christ. And the devil doesn't want you to do that. He doesn't want you to give that gift to the Lord. Man, what a great thing when we give our tenement to Christ. It is great. It is. Man, when you finally come to that point in your life and you say, Lord, it's it's yours. Everything's yours. These hands are yours. These feet are yours. These eyes are yours. These ears are yours. This mouth is yours. Man, it's a great thing when you finally come to that place and you say, Lord, what would you like this body to wear? You see, it's not all about what I want. This body belongs to you. I'm giving this body as a gift. Lord, what what do you want this body to wear? Lord, what do you want this body to eat? Lord, what do you want this body to look like? Lord, what do you want this body to separate from? Now, i got to hurry here tonight, but uh, I'm just telling you, man, one of the greatest things that you'll ever give to God is your body, your body. You th- I think about that little story I tell sometimes about. It was Christmas time, and it was downtown Chicago, and it was, uh, uh, there was a little Salvation Army girl there, and she was ringing her little bell there at Salvation Army and had a little red bucket there. And folks would come by and they'd put a little change in the bucket and she'd say, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas. And, and uh, well, uh, there was a big sign out front the, uh, uh, the, uh, the bucket there and it said, what will you give to Christ for Christmas this year? There was an old bum that came by. He had about 37 cents in his pocket and he walked by that little Salvation Army stand. He saw that placard and it said, what will you give to Christ for Christmas this year? He's done so much for you. And that bum saw that sign. He thought about the Lord and, and the goodness of God and, and uh, he reached down in his pocket and didn't have, he had a quarter and a dime and two, two pennies. He took those two pennies and he dropped those two pennies in the bucket and the little girl said, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas, God bless you, sir. Well, she left her place there and went to get a cup of coffee or a cup of hot chocolate and, uh, and didn't think anything about it. And that, 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 that bum, he walked on down the road, got several blocks away, and he kept thinking about that sign. What will you give to Christ for Christmas this year? What will you give to Christ for Christmas? He turned around, went back to that Salvation Army uh, uh, station there. He took that dime out of his pocket and he dropped it in that little Salvation Army bucket went went on his way but he just couldn't get that out of his mind what will you give to Christ for Christmas and so finally he walked back and he took that last quarter that he had and he dropped it in the bucket they said a little bit later when that little Salvation Army girl came back to pick up her bell and start ringing her bell, she saw something she had never seen. When she came back to her station, there was an old bum that was sitting in the pot. And he said, two pennies is not enough. And a dime is not enough. And a quarter is not enough. I'm going to give my whole self to Jesus. Hey, that's what I'm talking about. Man, as a gift, we ought to give our body to him. Listen, what we do with this body is not up to us. It's up to him. We ought to give our tenement to the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, we got to hurry. How about this, number two? We can get this one quickly. Number two, we ought to give our talent. I want to give our talent. Now, turn over real quickly, if you will, to to Matthew chapter 25. And 
We won't give you the whole story tonight, but Matthew chapter 25. <clears throat> and of course, this is the scripture that, that talks about uh, the uh, you know, master went away. He gave his servants the talents. <clears throat> We're going to pick up the story in Matthew chapter 25 and verse number 14. Notice what our Bible says. For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. Look at verse 16. The Bible says, Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them other five talents. Now, church, let me just say this real quick, and we're going to go to the next point. If you've got a talent that God has given you, give it to the Lord. Man, give it to the Lord. If God's given you some kind of a gift tonight, you can play an instrument or you can sing or you can preach or, and by the way, that's just a, that's just a little smidgen of, of what God may have given to you. But if you've got a talent tonight of some kind, give it to the Lord. Give it to God. Now, notice what happened in our story. Look at verse number, verse number 24. The Bible says, Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown and gathering where thou hast not strawed. Look at the next verse. And I was afraid and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast that is thine. We won't go further than that. But listen, that master got angry because the servant squandered his talent. If you're here tonight, God's given you a talent. Don't hide it. Man, don't hide it. Use it. Use it. And by the way, don't use it for the world. Use it for the goodness of the Lord. And use it to bring glory to God. And use it to edify His church. And so we ought to give, number one, our tenement to the Lord. Number two, we ought to give our talent to the Lord. How about this? Number three, we ought to give our time to the Lord. Look, if you will, at Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13. And look at verse number 11. Notice what our Bible tells us. Romans chapter 13, verse 11. The Bible says, And that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. What's God saying? Man, give me your time. Give me your time. You don't have to turn there. Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 16. The Bible says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. How many know this? We're living in the busiest generation ever. Man, we're so busy. We're so busy. We, we just, our heads are spinning. We're so, so busy. In fact, I found this. I thought this might be a blessing to you. It said, this is the age of the half-red page and the quick hash and the mad dash, the bright night with the nerves tight, the plane hop with the brief stop, the lamp stand in short span, the big shot in a good spot, and the brain strain, the heart pain, and the cat naps till the spring snaps. And the fun's done. You know what that means, man? You just go and 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 go until finally something gives. Just busy all the time. Someone said this. 
if you had a bank that credited, now think about this. If you had a bank that credited your account each morning with $86,000 that carried over no balance from day to day, allowed you to keep no cash in your account, and every evening canceled whatever part of the amount you failed to use during the day, what would you do? Well, you'd draw out every cent every day and use it to your advantage. Well, you have such a bank, and its name is Time. Every morning, it credits you with 86,400 seconds. Every night, it rules off as lost whatever of this you failed to invest to good purpose. It carries over no balances. It allows no overdrafts. Each day, it opens a new account with you. If you fail to use the day's deposits, the loss is yours. There's no going back. There's no drawing against tomorrow. And that's how it is, isn't it? We're so busy. We're so busy. You don't believe it? Go out and visit with us sometime. Knock on doors. Invite people to church. Oh, I don't have time to go to church. I don't have time. I mean, that's a good thing and everything, but I don't have time. Oh, I, I don't have, you know, I don't have time to read my Bible. I don't have time to pray. I don't have time. To, you see, I'm just so busy. Now, wait a minute now. If you're too busy to go to church and you're too busy to read your Bible, guess what? You're too busy. You're too busy. And somebody said that busyness is not always godliness. Uh, someone said time flies, but remember, you're the navigator. And that's exactly why the psalmist said in Psalm 90, verse 12, so teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Someone said it like this. I have only just a minute, just 60 seconds in it. Forced upon me, can't refuse it. Didn't seek it, didn't choose it. I'm going to suffer if I lose it. Give account if I abuse it. Just a little tiny minute, but eternity is in it. And one of these days, people are going to stand before God and they're going to say, God, I meant to. I was going to find time, but I just never got around to it. That's all I'm saying tonight, church. Let's get around to it. Man, let's just decide tonight. You know what, King? We're going to give you, listen, I'm going to give you my tenement. I'm going to give you my talent. I'm going to give you my time. And then let me bring this thing to a close tonight. Number two, number, number last, we ought to give him our thanks. Our thanks. We're done, but turn one last place with me. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse number 15. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse number 15. The Bible says, By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. You say, Pastor, I'd like to give him a king something. What can I give him? Give him thanks. Man, just give him thanks. And thank God. And, somebody, and I know there were others. If we'd have taken time, others of you would have tonight as well. But thank God we took some time tonight just to give him thanks. And how many know this, that, that when people are thankful, man, it makes you feel good, don't it? Somebody comes up to you and shakes your hand or pats you on the back and they say, man, I appreciate your help the other day. Good night. I couldn't have done it without you. That was such a blessing. Or you did something for somebody and they come up to you and they say, man, we just, we just, we just appreciate it. We, we'll never be able to thank you. Enough. That makes you feel good, don't it? 
Don't you think it makes God feel good? When we go to our Heavenly Father and we say, God, you're so good. God, you've been so good. And God, you blessed me. And, and uh, you've just opened the windows of heaven and you've been so good. And if he never blessed me again, I'd have to give him praise. Man, what a great God he is. God's so good tonight. Somebody said it like this. Today upon a bus, I saw a lovely maid with golden hair. I envied her and how I wished I were so fair. When suddenly she rose to leave, I saw her hobble down the aisle. She had one foot and wore a crutch. But as she passed, a smile. Oh, God, forgive me when I whine. I have two feet. The world is mine. And when I stopped to buy some sweets, the lad who served me had such charm. He seemed to radiate good cheer. His manner was so kind and warm. I said, it's nice to deal with you such courtesy. I seldom find. He turned and said, oh, thank you, sir. And then I saw that he was blind. Oh, God, forgive me when I whine. I have two eyes. The world is mine. Then when walking down the street, I saw a child with eyes of blue. He stood and watched the others play. It seemed he knew not what to do. I stopped a moment, and then I said, Why don't you join the others, dear? He looked ahead without a word, and then I knew he could not hear. Oh, God, forgive me when I whine. I have two ears. The world is mine. With feet to take me where I'd go, with eyes to see the sunsets glow, with ears to hear what I would know, I'm blessed indeed. The world is mine. Oh, God, forgive me when I whine. How many know we're blessed tonight? Man, we're so blessed. Good night. Miss Nina's right. We're so blessed. I mean, most of us haven't, haven't missed a meal today unless we just wanted to. And most of us, most of us, present company included, most of us eat probably more than we should. God's been so good to us. Now, we're done tonight. But I want to, I want to draw, and we'll, we'll draw your attention this next, next Wednesday, Lord willing. The Queen of Sheba gave the king something that nobody else could give to her. If you read the rest of that story in 2 Chronicles chapter 9, you'll find out that the king turned around and he gave her all her heart desired. Now, if you'll give to God some of these gifts and many others, did you know that God, the king, will turn around and he'll bless you with some gifts? Now, we're going to talk about, Lord willing, we're going to talk about some of those gifts that God gives to us next Wednesday night. And so I hope that you'll be here. I believe we'll, I believe we'll learn a little something. And so let's bow our heads tonight. Every head bowed, every eye closed. And uh, I'm going to ask Miss Gay if she'll just come. Just and, and uh, it's about uh, it's about nine o'clock right now. And I'm going to ask Miss Gay if she'll just play through a stanza of an invitation song. We're not going to prolong it this evening. We're going to let you go. But maybe just maybe, somebody needs to tiptoe down to this altar very quickly tonight, and just say, Lord, you're my King, and I want to give you some things. I want to give you my tenement. I want to give you my body. This body's not mine. It's yours. I'm going to give you my talent, my time. Lord, forgive me for when I, for when I just complain about giving you 15 minutes or, or an hour to go to a church service. Lord, I'm going to give you my time. And God, I want to give you my thanks. 
maybe tonight somebody needs to tiptoe down to this altar and just commit themselves to the Lord. Father, I pray that you'll bless this invitation. Thank you for being the greatest king that a person could ever have. You are king of kings and Lord of lords. And God, how we ought to honor you with gifts. I pray that you'll bless on this invitation. And God, do that work that only you can do, please. We thank you and love you in Jesus' name. Let's all stand tonight with our heads bowed. Miss Kay will play. If you need to just tiptoe down and just speak a word to the Lord and say, Lord, tonight I'm giving you my, my tenement. God, I'm dedicating my body to you tonight. Maybe there's, listen, maybe tonight while Pastor was.